it's very easy to get focused in the moment on the problems, but I think what I've seen over the last three weeks is a, a great value in sharing and, and, and embracing the kind of work that everybody's doing and just value everybody for what they're doing. Welcome to Compassion, Courage, Consolation, Voices for St Vincent's during COVID-19. In this podcast, we're talking to people who love St. Vincent's, love our staff and love the service we provide in health and aged care. We're doing this to support our compassion for one another and those we serve, to bolster our courage in this extraordinary time and to provide consolation amidst the challenges we're facing. And whilst prepared for St. Vincent's, we're sharing this series with anyone who might find it helpful. If you're joining us from outside of our services, consider yourself part of the family. You're very welcome indeed. My name is Dan Fleming. I lead Ethics and Formation for St. Vincent's. And in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome my dear friend and colleague, Associate Professor Mark Bowie, who's Director of Palliative Medicine at St. Vincent's Hospital, Melbourne. I'm very excited that Mark and I have found time to chat. He's been exceptionally busy these last few weeks. Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Dan. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to chat. Mark, I wonder if we could just start with a, a question about comparisons because this COVID pandemic and our preparation for it has kind of hit us like a tidal wave these last couple of months. Could you tell me about a normal day in your working life, say six or eight weeks ago, and how it yeah. compares to today? Yeah, thank you. Look, um, I guess it's I'm in a fortunate position, I guess, as, as director. I'm across... Um, our academic services, education and training, as well as our clinical services. And so my day never really has a normal to it. Mm. So maybe I was well prepared for the um, <laughs> changes that came with COVID. But look, I guess there's structure to the week, structure to the day, and often that's in the realms of supporting staff in the work that they're doing, making sure the wheels are sort of ticking over, um, I may actually be doing some at the coal phase clinical work, depending on um, if there's people away or there's work to be done, particularly in our inpatient unit. Um, but also um, a lot of it is, again, the underpinnings of um, trying to look at progressing our work forward, making sure our different programs are ticking over based on the Centre for Health Care work and so forth. So, as I said, quite variable, but... Um, with good structure, good support. Mm. And Mark, you mentioned there that you've got uh, in the director position a sense of oversight and you, you're kind of looking over yeah. many different things. And yeah. I've had a little insight into that too because you and I are both on a, a um, committee looking at things like triaging criteria and so on. What are, your, what are you seeing at the moment in terms of the organisation's preparation? What do you see when you look out across our services and what are your hopes for that preparation? Look, I think what I see is this real sort of sense of shift and change and can-do um, kind of movement. And again, it takes a while. I mean, I guess I've experienced the organisation for a number of years and I can see that these things have happened previously and on other occasions. Mm. But because of the urgency, it's really made people step forward, step forward to see there's an absolute need. And in that, it's driven lots of work, lots of good people wanting to do good work to and particularly around our services and so forth. But again, it's taken a while to coalesce so that people recognise that this is contributing to a bigger picture. Mm. It's contributing to the sort of ultimate um, sort of planning, I guess, for 
what is that sort of surge and change period, but always having the eye on after COVID and thinking, okay, whatever we're moving to develop, mm. let's make sure that we can continue to work in the same way afterwards or we can continue to step into what we're doing in a very productive way. So it kind of gives a balance to what we're doing. It's not just about COVID, but it's about really um, growing and developing what we've wanted wanted in palliative care, but also in the organisation. That's really interesting. And it strikes me that, I mean, your your framing of that there, this is almost a a microcosm of what the organisation is really good at. And we've seen that in a number of times in our work together. But it seems to me too, I've, I've just been overwhelmed by the generosity of people, uh, the agility of people and the readiness just to build a response that's really going to serve our community. Um, what do you reckon, Mark? Have you, have you felt the same thing? Oh, absolutely. Look, I think, you know, if you think on a very personal level, this is for many people, many of our staff, really the first time they've confronted maybe a sense of potentially their own mortality and their own kind of connection to this particular pandemic. And I think that drives, it can drive anxiety, it can drive stress, but I think it drives eventually sort of that collegiality and that sort of we can step into this and do things. And I often say we see this every day at end-of-life care and palliative care where there's this sort of compassionate care and this Mm -hmm. way of, moving forward and solving problems um, that seem unsolvable. But we, I see it all the time, and I think it's, it's an example where what we're seeing in the community is what we see every day in a sort of palliative care unit, but we're seeing it across the board, not just in our services, but across the community and so forth. And I think really it's, um, it's kind of a testament to people's coping. We see, we see it often in the bushfires. You know, We see that coming together. I think that's the closest I can think of a very similar way of looking at it, that people really do try to go a little bit further, be a little bit more collaborative um, and actually see, you know, the benefits of doing that in a communal way. Yeah, and the crisis moment does, I mean, everything else uh, kind of disappears away, doesn't it? And and our true values come to the surface and we're just seeing it in such a beautiful way in the hospital at the moment. Mark, yeah. I ask everyone on this show to share a story about St Vincent's, but I'm actually going to take a liberty here and tell a story before I ask you that question because, and, and you've heard this before, but those listening wouldn't have. I often recount the story of when I first started at St Vincent's. You very generously allowed me to shadow you for a day. Uh, we're walking around at Caritas Christi Hospice out there and around the main hospital in Fitzroy as well. Um and meeting some of the palliative care staff and seeing some of the beautiful work that you all do. And I tell people that I went home after that day and I wept. And it, and it wasn't a weeping for tragedy, even though there was tragedy there as, as people's lives were coming to their end. And it wasn't a weeping about pain, even though there was pain, or it wasn't weeping about sadness, even though there was sadness there. I wept because what I saw was just so beautiful and the care that you and your team provide to those who are nearing their end, end of their life is just stunning. And it's one of the, the founding moments for me in St. Vincent's that just makes me so proud of what we do for people. But I wonder if I could ask you, you've been in the family for a while now and a great leader in that space of end-of-life care. 
when those three words you hear in the title of this podcast, compassion, courage, and consolation come to mind, is there a story that, that comes up in your yep. memory? Look, I think for me, and maybe it's my own journey and understanding, you know, what this is all about, but I absolutely do think when people are facing that time of end of life, they really want to feel valued for who they are. There's some value. They want to feel valued, heard, and understood. And I think um, you see that come together when staff are work it could be in a very clinical way to bring about um, settled symptoms it could be in a being present to people in a consistent way but I think that that conveys that and I've got a recent um, story and again many of our patients are vulnerable and disadvantaged mm -hmm. and we we had somebody on the ward recently who was um, in that sort of life circumstance where his sort of personality was such that he'd led a very solitary life and he disconnected from his uh, a child and his, his previous wife um, maybe 18, 20 years ago and led a pretty hard life and was still pretty young. He was in his, you know, middle middle sort of years. Um, but he really was frightened about being in hospital. But And it took about two or three goes and a kind of little bit of an introduction to get him to recognise and trust that maybe coming in was going to be a useful thing for him. And, in fact, stepping into that space, because our services covers a number of areas, we were able to... To eventually connect with him in a meaningful way at home, then reconnect and show consistency, the same faces, a bit of a trust um, to develop. But we that then led us to um, helping him to see the value of making the decisions and sharing decisions. But then it brought it about to what was the most important thing in his life was his 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 dog and and really the the legacy of where his dog was going to be cared for and the fact that he wanted to bring his dog to us. Now, most people bring fairly small dogs, but this was like Great Dane size. Oh, wow. You can imagine, um, you know, a bed doesn't quite accommodate those sorts of things, but we, <laughs> we facilitated this and to such an extent that he really started to um, kind of really trust just the therapeutic benefits of us mm. connecting with him. And he started telling a story of his life that he'd never told. We thought he was a, a singular man who had never connected. And in fact we were able to orchestrate when he recognised that absolutely dying was inevitable. Um, not, I wouldn't say a reconciliation, but a reconnection with his, his daughter and previous wow. wife over a couple of days. And he then, you know, obviously that was a meaningful thing for all of them, but it was just so powerful because, you know, that would have never have happened in a sort of a usual health scenario situation that, that the, the disenfranchised would never feel able to be within another, an organisation and feel valued. And um, to the extent that he trusted us with his dog and trusted us to then carry out his legacy of, uh, afterwards. And also then for the family, just his daughter being able to actually see, you know, whether the, the pain of the past is ever lost, I don't necessarily think it is, but just that ripple effect of having that reconnection will, will have great meaning for everyone, I think, and certainly does for the staff um, afterwards as well. Gosh, that, that is beautiful. And actually, there's a third word starting with C that I could add to the list here, which is creativity. It's in the compassion and the courageousness of entering into relationship yeah. and consoling that person. You come up with these wonderful creative ways of caring. It's, um, and sometimes that can be uniquely uh, creative and quite, a, I mean, the freedom of having an inpatient unit and um, allows us to really put a lens on, I call it the ICU of palliative care, but it really puts a lens where we can potentially be as creative as possible mm. to try and 
connect with people in in some way. But um, wow. So, Mark, turning back to our current response and preparations across St Vincent's for COVID, what kind of changes do you think our people, especially those on the front front line, might experience in these coming months? And, you know, as a senior doctor, what would you say to them in terms of how they might respond to those changes? Well, I think, look, I think, again, I've mentioned already, I think people are confronting their own distress and anxiety um, and potential that they may be caught up in the same things that patients are being caught up in. So for me, it's understanding that and just seeing how it plays out for each of our, our, our clinicians, doctors. I mean, particularly with my team, we've got a, you know, 13 senior doctors and um, seven, seven or eight junior doctors. So really to get to see each of them and ask if there's any vulnerabilities that they need to let me know about and if there's any concerns that we need to be working with. Um, but then to make sure that information is flowing to them as much as information can flow, and I think that's been critical, just so they can see there's a bigger picture and the bigger story, um, but also helping them to understand when things aren't front and centre, that we've got questions and we've got um, issues that are cropping up all the time, um, that, you know, we're all, we're all in the same boat sometimes and really we're waiting for organisational things to come together and I think everyone's now seeing after three weeks that things are really are coming together in a meaningful way um, which is great so that helps dissipate a bit of anxiety and concern and then also you know the fact that we've set up these different sort of um, uh, whatsapp groups that I think allows if somebody's got a question and I may not be able to give the answer I can pop it into one of the sort of uh, whatsapp groups and somebody will come up with some answer or way forward or something like that mm. so which is really good. Yeah. Mark, for yourself, you're holding on to an enormous amount at the moment, and you always do in your uh, clinical life and leadership in caring for people as they near the end of their lives and, and also in many other contexts where palliative and supportive care will be helpful for them. In the context of delivering that care, what, what consoles you? What gives you courage? Um, look, I, I guess, again, I've mentioned it before. I think, you know... I never really understood how I stumbled into this area of healthcare, um, but something connected, and I think it is around that. You know, suddenly you start thinking about your own kind of values, you start thinking about your own ethic and so forth. But I do think it is something to do with finding a, a collective, a community that seems to value the same things I value, and that could be at an organisational level. But it's very much around the the culture and and personalities and people that sit within palliative care and it is I think what consoles me is when I see the services that our staff deliver I don't need to be the one delivering it but when I see that they go the extra mile or our doctors come up with a great idea or our nurses connect in a meaningful way or our psychologists or allied health do amazingly creative things with kids of um, parents and things like that you know that so I get great consolation I really do uh, value when I see things working and ticking through in a, you know, a good and meaningful way when I hear the stories that come back from the front line. So, um, as I say, um, my, I'm a pretty resilient sort of guy, I guess, over the years, and I think it's good to be able to show people when you're vulnerable but show people when you're resilient and kind of give them ways forward. But really letting them know how much I value what they do for us where they felt 
good and understood. Mm. And and thinking even more broadly again, Mark, because um, they're beautiful reflections about your team and the work that they do at St Vincent's in Melbourne. This is going out to all our staff across uh, the mm. national network in public hospitals, private hospitals, aged care, and others in the community are, are listening on as well. What would you like to say to our staff at this time, the people who are on the front line in all sorts of different ways or maybe in back office or working from home? What would you say to them at this time, Mark? Well, look, I think I'm very much to to have the courage to um, ask your questions, have the courage to, um, if you're feeling vulnerable, to find somebody, connect with the people that can actually listen to you and hear you um, because... We're all going through the same thing. We're all in, as people have said, we're all in it together. Um, I think the value of seeing what the organisation is trying to do um, and see that there is a bigger picture, that there is a sort of consistency of working through things and the value of having a networked system, um, I think is very meaningful. And, and, and when people are very feeling very put upon or stressed or uncertain, um, just think about what that is. Is it is it something within you that's driving that and you're being a sort of more reactive to a situation or is it something that's genuinely, you know, something you need to share so you can kind of dissipate that stress? Um, I think, you know, it's very easy to get focused in the moment on the problems, but I think what I've seen over the last three weeks is a, a great value in sharing and, and, and embracing the kind of work that everybody's doing and just value everybody for what they're doing and see it will it will kind of help us through this sort of situation. Mark Bow, it's always a joy to talk to you and it's been no different today. Thank you so much for taking some precious time out of your very busy schedule for this discussion. Thank you, Dan. That's great. Thank you. You've been listening to Compassion, Courage, Consolation. Voices for St Vincent's during COVID-19. This podcast series has been developed by St Vincent's Health Australia. For more information about St Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music for this podcast comes from Kevin McLeod. His track, Bittersweet, let us in and you can hear his track, Touching Moments 1 now. Kevin's website is incompetech.filmmusic.io and the music is brought to you under the Creative Commons 4.0 license. All of this information and more is provided in the text accompanying this podcast. Thanks for listening.